Welcome to the New Vision Church podcast. New Vision Church is a diverse, Bible-teaching, Jesus-centered church in San Diego, California, and exists to transform people and their communities by replicating followers of the biblical Jesus. Thanks for joining us today. Now here's this week's sermon. If you have your Bibles, open up to the Gospel of Mark, the fifth chapter. We're going to continue on where Pastor Nate shared last week uh, for me and, and stuff. We're going to continue on verses 21 to uh, 43 tonight as we just look at the victory in difficult circumstances, victory in difficult circumstances. And, you know, um, when I was growing up, uh, when I was about 10 years old, um, you know, and my family's been filled with craziness growing up. I didn't grow up in a Christian home and all those different things. My, my, you know, many of you know my story when I was younger that my parents had divorced and, and my mom remarried. I was living with my step-parents, step-dad and my mom, bounced back and forth. And then many of you know that my mom was in a, a murder, uh, a domestic violence series where my stepdad murdered my mom and my little brother and killed himself and all that. And you hear that and you're like, whoa, man, that's crazy. And many of you know that story about me. But many of you don't know this story about me is that when I was about 10 years old, I went through a very health problem uh, growing up and for, I, I played sports, I was very active. I played college football, but when I was younger, I played Pop Warner football. So I was very busy sports type of guy. And then I started having these bloody noses and we didn't know where they were coming. I'd show up at a party. I remember going at a birthday party for a friend and I had this bloody nose, it wouldn't stop. I remember, I don't remember Farrell's back in the day. Farrell's was an ice cream place back in LA, back in the day. So I remember I was at a Farrell's actually at a party and, and I started having this bleeding nose, went to the bathroom, it wouldn't stop. They rushed me over to the hospital, they were trying to cauterize. And for months they couldn't figure out why I was having all these bloody noses. Wake up sick, throwing up blood, I'm, and I'm about 10 years old. Lo and behold, I ended up getting put in the hospital for, for three months. They had my nose packed up, didn't know what was going on. And by the grace of God, there was a specialist who do, had done this test and found out that I had a tumor behind my nose and that they'd had a surgery and removed it. And I was like going through, through that and going through all those things it was a crazy time as a, as a young kid, not you know, figuring what's going on. But I wanna tell you this, God will never mismanage our circumstances no matter what age. He will use it for his glory. And that's what you're gonna find out in Mark chapter five. Right? It's a, it's a powerful chapter about victory. Victory over our circumstances. Here is victory over demons, as Pastor Nate taught last week, then disease and death. But we know that victory does not come by my own mind nor my power, but by the Spirit, saith the Lord. That victory comes by God. And you'll notice that in the story, we're gonna get into the story tonight, that every one of these main characters in the story, which is these people that God's gonna engage with, every one of them knelt before Jesus had abandoned knees before Jesus. And they showed their such humility as they fell to their knees in the presence of Jesus. Because victory is not ours, it's the Lord's. It's not ours, it's God's. And we have to begin to start from that, from that framework that God is gonna bring victory in our life. I know that Pastor Nate looked at some victory over demons uh, last week as he told the story of the Gadareans and this day we're gonna look over the victory over disease and death. And so we're going to start at verse 21 tonight, continue on the stories of Jesus' ministry. And he'd been doing ministry among the tombs. We know that in the beginning of the chapter, the Gadarenes, the graveyard. And now we're going to, we're going to cross back over to the other side of the island. Remember, he was entered the storm in chapter 4. He was in the midst of chapter 4 going over to the Gadarenes, did ministry at the Gadarenes. Now he's coming back to the other side, probably, probably located about Capernaum. He's coming back over to the sea. And we know we're going to enter into some more storms in people's lives. And we know when he crosses back over, there's a crowd awaiting him. Jesus seemed to draw crowds, man. You know, wherever he went, there was crowds happening. You know, I'm hoping that as we keep lifting up the name of Jesus, crowds are gonna come. 
Not because we're being lifted up, not because New Vision's New Vision name's there, not because any of our names on it. It's Jesus is the name that's gonna draw the crowds. His presence is gonna draw the crowds. His power, his healing, all that he's doing is gonna draw the crowds. You know, I never felt more the presence of God when I was with my sick parents and them talking and doing that because God was working in the midst of all those circumstances he was working. And God, I wanna challenge you that he will always work in the midst of our, our trying times. He's still there, he's still present and he's still gonna keep doing what he does. He's still gonna be faithful in what he does. And so we're gonna look at really two characters, Jairus and the bleeding woman tonight because their stories are gonna interconnect. You're gonna see how they're gonna interconnect tonight. And they, they interconnect for a purpose. To, to reveal God's power and his presence as he overcomes disease, he overcomes death. We're gonna, we're gonna see that tonight. So let's first look at Jairus' story here. Let's pray in and then we're gonna get into the story. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for tonight. And I pray that the words that I bring and the, and the testimony of your word, Lord, will, will, will ignite our hearts, will stir us up, Lord, in such a way we've never been stirred before, that we'll be moved by your spirit and, and moved by your word and that that word would empower our lives in such a, a way, Lord, that we will walk with confidence because you live in us. And we're trusting your Holy Spirit will be our teacher. We're trusting that, God, you will teach us through your word. Father, that the words I bring would be relevant to even the circumstances the things we're facing in this COVID-19 and, and all that's happening and the craziness and confusion of our world, Lord. Father, you bring solitude. You bring peace. You bring unity. You bring commonness, which is Jesus. And so we pray tonight your hand of blessings upon our time in Jesus' name. And everybody said? The first thing we're going to look at really is Jairus' difficult circumstances. We're going to start that at verse 21 to 24 here. And we know that his daughter is sick, and that's why he's going to come to Jesus. It was sick that was going to lead unto death. We, we see that in the story. In a moment, we'll see that. You know, we've heard in this COVID situation that there have been, just in the United States, over 200,000 people that have died because of this COVID situation. Many of them had previous illnesses. And so we, 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 we lament over the loss of those. I, I've lost some people, even in the seasons that I've known because of this virus that has attacked us. But God, but guys, I want you to understand, even in the midst of this season, even in the midst of what we're seeing, and even in the midst of all the circumstances of the people, God is still faithful and he's still present. That we do not have to grieve like we have no hope. We don't, have to lose, we don't have to lose hope in what's going on right now. And though it's, it's hard, I want you to understand that in the midst of all these different things right now, God's still gonna have victory. He's still gonna reign. He's, his, his agenda's still gonna happen. You know, we can listen to the news. We can watch social media. We can get bombarded with all those craziness. But let me tell you, his word is truth. Yeah. And we have to hold on to the truth of his word in the midst of this confusion and craziness. Though we know this, that life is not smooth sailing, Amen. It's not, it's not this smooth ride. We're going to hit these bumps along the road. And back by my house, I, I always head home to this back way and there's these speed bumps that I take. Life is filled with these speed bumps in our lives. I guarantee it. How many of you have never had speed bumps? Raise your hand. Come on now. You raise, you, <laughs> never had speed bumps. You're all good. God is good. He's faithful. You know what I mean? But we've had these things in our lives that, that we're going to experience here. Look at the story. Jairus is, is heading in a speed bump. He's facing the circumstances. Now, when Jesus crossed over again by a boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to, to him, and he was by the sea, right? We know that he's by the sea. He just come across on a boat. We know that life is not smooth sailing. It's not easy street. You know what I mean? Like I shared my, this last 10 months, just journeying with my mom on these things, being with her, taking her to the hospital, giving her meds, doing all the things we need to do, changing her, moving her. My wife and I were here doing all, it's not, it's not easy. It's not easy going through that. And we're gonna face many storms, whatever it may be. We're either entering a storm, we're in the middle of the storm, or we're exiting a storm. 
There's something always happening in our lives. It's just part of life. We see that. So chapter four, what is it? Closing with Jesus entering a storm with the disciples and he's building their faith as they're traveling over to the Gadareans. And now he's coming back in chapter five and he's going to face three more people who are in the midst of the storm. We looked at one, some last night at the man at the tombs last week. We're going to look at Jairus' story and the bleeding woman's story. But we know story, storms are important. And many of these storms will, will drive us to Jesus will drive us to the presence of Jesus. And God will allow these storms to come to, because in the midst of storms, he'll calm the storms. That's what he did with the disciples. He calmed the storms. May, even in this storm, may we always be in the eye of the storm. The eye of the storm is where it's the greatest peace. And when we walk and abide in God, we're gonna be in the eye of the storm. Though it all could be raging around us, but we're in the presence of God, it will, it will be peaceful. And we know that the storms, people are watching us in the midst of those storms. They're watching how we handle those storms. Our faith is gonna be tested by the storms. What do we really believe about God in the midst of the storms? Are we gonna be like the disciples say, God, we're perishing or we're perishing, things aren't working out. How come God, you allow this? And like, I could have said that about my mom. How come God, did my mom have to have a tumor? Why did these things have to happen? But I thank God it was that very thing that drew her to the presence of Jesus. So I never questioned God about why or how or what's going on. God fully knows what's going on. I, can't, I don't have all those answers. My pay raise isn't that high. <laughs> God, God knows more than me, right? But let me tell you this, your testimony in the midst of the storm will be such an encouragement to some other people that are going through storms. They will, they will help other people that are going through their, their own storm. And the first thing that we see in the midst of this storm, I think the first thing is this a heart of humility. And we see Jairus just humble himself before the Lord in the midst of the storm. That in the storm, we can't even control the storm sometimes that we can't even manage the storm. We can't even do any of those things. If you think we can control these things in life, you're God, <laughs> you know what I mean? Give, I almost talked to you, give me some answers. But look at this, it says in verse 22, and behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name, when he saw him, he fell at his feet. He fell at Jesus' feet. He, there was a need because his daughter was sick and he wanted Jesus to come and heal his daughter. We're gonna see that in a moment. And he humbles himself. We see Jairus' position in the midst of his storm in verse 22. Let me give you some background why this was so significant because there's, when you look about his position here in a minute, he was a ruler of the synagogue. That, that was very important to understand. His position was like a, like a lay pastor or administrator of the church. He would, he would help with the set of the order for the worship in the temple. He, he, he would be about serving. He, he was kind of like not a priest, but had power influence like a, a priest. He was a, a lay pastor in, in the church. That's what he, he did in, in that time. They would make sure everyone's responsibility had responsibility. Everyone was serving the church. Everything was set up. They were doing all those types of things. I often think of, of Nathan Cross or Brian Beck or Lyle LaSalle. These guys have been with me so many years. Though, though they're not ordained pastors. Yeah, we're going to ordain them in a couple of weeks. Amen. They have been faithfully serving with our church for many, many years coming and setting up, setting up, doing things, helping, doing all these different things. They would have been like the rulers of the synagogue of the day. They were the faithful servants coming and, and helping those very things in the morning. A ruler of the synagogue was a strict Orthodox Jew. In fact, because they were strict Orthodox Jew, they would have saw Jesus as a heretic. They, they, they would have they been influential in wanting Jesus killed. They were plotting against Jesus if you, if you study them. And, Jesus, and Jairus may have felt that way about Jesus before this storm, before this crazy circumstances. So, you know, circumstances and situations will change our heart. 
will change different views of how we see things. It will stir up, it will, it will shake our foundation even. It will, it will shake up what we think. It will, it will re, reframe some things. When, when he comes to Jesus, he, he bows at the feet of Jesus. What, what is he doing? His position didn't matter to him anymore when he, when he went to his knees. When you're crying out to God and there's a circumstance, it doesn't matter. I could care less what people think, amen? I could care less. I'm at my wit's end. Jairus is in some way was pleading on behalf of his daughter in a moment and he was willing to throw off all his position, his prestige, his influence and power for the sake of his daughter. And we see him sitting here and falling on his knees before the multitude. He could have been excommunicated from doing that. He could have been kicked out of the church, out of the synagogue. His pride now is just, it's cast aside. He was desperate. He was desperate for God. He was desperate for God. I remember talking to my dad um, one night when he was sitting there, we're at the table. And we're talking about mom passing. She's going she's gonna to go. I know she's going to go. And I said, yeah, dad, she, she's going. It's only a matter of days. And he said, I don't know what to do, Pastor Pete. I don't know. Man, he didn't call me Pastor Pete, call me his son. <laughs> I don't know what to do, mijo. I, 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 if she goes, I don't know what to do. And I don't know what's going to happen. And I'll go, dad, take comfort in this, that mom's going to heaven. But you can go to heaven too. By faith, not in your works. But I'm a good person. Yeah, 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 I've heard it. We're all good, right? Everybody's good. If everybody's good, we wouldn't need Jesus. You know what I mean? But I said, I said, Dad, no, no, we're not. We're not good enough. Only God's good enough. And by faith, you would just receive him. And he makes you good enough to get into heaven. Then you're going to see mom again. You're going to be able to understand. And I shared the gospel with him, the God, what Jesus did on the cross. And for the first time, he's like, can I say that prayer? Can I ask Jesus in? There's something that happens when you're facing the, the finality of a life. When you're facing the reality that he's getting older, and I think that even as he gets older, in some ways he's stubborn in one place, but something God's doing. I'm not saying he has it all figured out. Trust me, I've been traveling with him the last couple of months, and he's still like, Dad, you can't be talking like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> and stuff. He's, still a, he's still an old, old veteran. I come old. He's a Hispanic dude that just worked his way up, and he has this old school t type of thinking still, and I still got to help him understand like some things. But that's part of just traveling with your pops and hanging with him. You know what I mean? But here, he became desperate in some ways for something that was bigger than him. And I think that's what you see, Jairus is here. He, he was willing to cast aside all those things and seeking desperately for God. Weeks earlier, he probably was thinking, hey man, I got it all together. I got a position in the church. I, I got the pick a fence. I got the nice house. I got the great job. Everything's sweet. Until this circumstance of storm hits and rocks his world. This disease strikes his daughter. His boat is rocky, hits the storm, the circumstances he faces. It draws him to his knees. I, I don't know what it takes to draw you to, the, to your knees. I know Jesus asked the disciples in the garden, could they just pray one hour? Can you just go to your knee for one hour? I don't know what it's gonna take you to get you to your knees, but sometimes circumstances in our life will draw us to our knees. And that's exactly what happened to Jairus. He went to his knees. Look at verse 23. And it says this, this is Jairus' prayer request. And he begged him earnestly saying, my little daughter lies at the point of death. Come lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. Wow. He knew enough and heard enough about Jesus and the work that he had done. We know that Jesus had done many works. He healed many people. He had mul the multitudes were there. He, he, he had heard and knew the reputation of Jesus. And he cast out all sides and said, there's something crazy about you, Jesus, that does miracles. You know, I'm hoping that you see Jesus as a miracle working God. 
And I'm not saying that you got to be, you know, I, I, I prayed over my mom for healing because I'm, I'm not afraid to pray for healing. But doesn't mean necessarily that God's going to answer that. It doesn't mean that I lack faith in that. A lot of people say, oh, she doesn't get healed because she, you didn't have enough faith. No, it's not my faith. I just, I just say, God, your will be done. But I'm by faith, I'm going to pray. And I'm going to trust God, whatever the outcome is. But I'm not ashamed to pray for those things. Because if God can heal her, if he resurrect this, surely he can heal my mom if he chooses to do that. I remember a story of my grandmother. She died at 101 years old. When she was about 98 years old, she was in bed and she hadn't been out of bed in weeks. Weeks she hadn't been out. She's frail, everything. My, I'm, I'm going to go somewhere with my dad. And prior to going, I said, hey, dad, I, I went to my, in the room to see my nana. And I said, nana, are you okay? She goes, I'm hanging there. And I said, can I just pray for you? And she said, yeah. I laid my hands on her and I prayed over her. Jesus has strengthened her, give her strength. And, everything. and then I, I went up to the car to travel to run an errand with my dad. And then my dad comes and said, what'd you do to Nana? I said, I don't know what's going on. She's up in the kitchen cooking. <laughs> Listen, I don't know what God's going to do. I said, dad, she, I just prayed over her. That's all I did. And God strengthened her for that season. And she saw the presence of God. I think here, what do you see? You see Jairus begging earnestly. The scripture says he begged here. It means he besought, he prayed, he, he, he did it passionately. That's what it means to be earnestly prayed. You know, we're going to go into prayer and fasting uh, here in, in a couple of weeks to seek the Lord. And we're going to call on, just like the prayer in Hebrews 5, 7, referencing Jesus and his prayer life. It says, who in the days of his flesh, talking about Jesus, when he had offered up prayers and supplication with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, was heard because of his godly fear. Even Jesus set an example of passionate, fervent prayer, earnest prayer. May we be people that pray. May we be people that pour out our hearts to God. Just let him know he's willing to hear. He's willing to sit. He's willing to, to hear what you have to say. He desires that. May we have a desire for God in that way. This was Jairus' only hope. His only hope was Jesus. And so he gets on his knees. You know what? Death will awaken us to what is important. And I realized that in the last 10 months, what is important about family and being with friends and being that. We could have COVID. We can be fearful. But this the reason I came, people say, people, why didn't you take this weekend off? You know, you should, you know what? I'm not going to take this off because this is my family. Why wouldn't I want to be with my family? There's no way I'm going to escape this community. This is my community. This is, this is my family. I'm sharing my struggles. And you carried some of this burden, the stories I shared it over the last months. Why would I separate myself from my family? That's, that goes contrary to the gospel and community for me. That's why I'm here tonight because I get strengthened by being here on this pulpit to preach the word by my family. I get encouraged, I'd be refreshed. And he knew that when he comes to death, it awakens us to the things of family and friends and community that's so important. And we see here Jesus responds to, to Jairus' request. Look at 24, so Jesus went with him and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Remember there in the middle, he just came across the boat, there's the, the multitude there. I love this because it says that Jesus went with him. Remember, he was an enemy of Jesus. And Jesus said, I'm going to journey with you, bro. I know that you have a different plan, but God's changed something in you. I know the multitudes are following me, and I know they're pressing in on me, right? But Jesus went with him because he was on his way, it says here. And he's going to serve the enemy. Wow. The Bible says, love your enemy. Jesus is going to serve this man. And just display some great compassion on his enemy. 
We don't think like that today, man. We're so divided. We're so divided by so many things, but that is not the heart of God. Division is not the heart of God. Unity is what he wants. That's what Jesus prayed in John 17, right? Prayed that we would be one. In the church, we would be one. We'd be a testimony of being one. We bought his kingdom business. And we see that what was happening is Jesus is fighting, fighting through the crowd to go to this man's house, to Jairus's house. And we know the multitudes are pressing against him. They're gonna come in against him. He's making every effort to get to Jairus's house. He's pushing through that. He's going the distance for Jairus. I think Jesus went the distance for us, amen? Bible said, well, we were yet enemies, he died for us. You know, he went the distance for us. He went to the cross for us. He loved us. God so loved the world, the Bible says. He didn't say God so loved the world if you do this. He just said God so loved the world. We call that common grace. He reigns on the just and the unjust. When the rain came down today, it rained on the believer and the unbeliever. That's common grace. God just pours his favor on all men that they would know and love God and love who he is. That's the God we serve and that's the one we walk with. But at this moment, when they're heading to Jairus' house, there was an interruption, an important interruption. Look at verse 25 to 34. Jairus is interrupted by the bleeding woman's circumstances, right? Our lives will be interrupted. Our lives will be interrupted. And God will use whatever he needs to build our faith and draw us to him. He will interrupt us. For those are, you know, those enneagrams are all control people and want to things in it. It's gonna be hard for you when God interrupts and shakes up your foundation. Sorry, but that God will do that in your life. He will interrupt you. I didn't plan 20. When we started 2020, remember when we started 20, I did a whole sermon story on 2020 vision. This is where we're, where we're going. This is what God's doing. He, he interrupted us. He interrupted us and he shook us and everything changed. I always say, blessed are the flexible because we got to be flexible with the spirit. What is God doing? How is he moving? It's not about Pete's kingdom. It's not about Pete's agenda. It's not about it. What is God doing that he wants to interrupt our lives in such a way that he needs to move us to where he needs to be? And sometimes those interruptions will take us to where we never planned to go. I never planned to go to my mom's house for 10 months and back and forth to LA every other week to be with him. That was not on my agenda. But he interrupted my family to make that his agenda. God will interrupt your life to do that, and that's what's happening here. He's interrupting Jairus' moment. Think about it. Jesus is coming with you to my house to touch my, and then there's an interruption of this bleeding woman. Look at the woman's condition, 25 and 26. It says that now a certain woman had flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things for many physicians, but had spent all that she had. It was no way, no better, but rather grew worse. Ouch, sorry, women. You know, you, you know what she's talking about here? for 12 years. Yeah, we don't have to go there, right? You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Unrelentless moment there, right? 12 years of bleeding, the scripture says. Now, it says here, she had this flow of blood for 12 years and then she's pushing, she's coming, she's in this crowd. We know that she's desperate for here. She's desperate as Jairus is desperate. She's pressing here, right? Why do I say that? Because the law, the Levitical law, Levitical law was forbidden for anyone who was bleeding or unclean. This woman was considered unclean by the law. We see that in Leviticus 15, 25 to 27. In fact, her being in that crowd made her vulnerable to death. She could have been put to death for being in that crowd because she violated the law of that day. She was a risk taker, right? 
Some would say that she had this sickness because of unconfessed sin. Some people would say that. Oh, you have, you know, kind of like what they did with Job, right? Job, you got all this stuff on you because you have some unconfessed sin. You have sin in your life, so you got to get right with God. No, we live in a fallen, broken world, right? And we're feeling the effects of it. My, my mom's brain cancer wasn't because, it wasn't because my mom was a sinner. It was because she was sick and we live in a fallen, broken world. And we'll, she'll be made well in heaven. I, I, I take hope in that. We all fall short of the glory of God. We're all sick in need of a savior. But here some believe because of this bleeding that she was being, she was being punished for her, for her sin. We have to be careful of that theology. No, that's, that's not it at all. Not it at all. This bleeding left her weak, left her weak, poor, and isolated from her family and friends. It separated her. I think she felt that. She was having her own COVID moments for 12 years in shelter in place and isolated and weak. I remember when I tell you about that story about me having that tumor, I remember after they took out the tumor, the doctor said, you got, you got to stay in your bed for a couple of days because you'll be really weak. Well, I was a football player. I was like, I thought I was tough. So I remember I get home and the next day I'm like, I'm going to go down to the kitchen. I'm hungry. I want to give you something to eat. I remember walking down the hallway and it was a matter of three steps before I passed out and collapsed because I had not replenished a lot of my blood in my body. We know that there's life in the blood. We read that in Leviticus 17. That's why we can bleed to death because there's life in the blood. That's why we're saved by the blood of Jesus because there's life in the blood. And she was probably pretty weak in this. We know that people took advantage of her, of her suffering, right? We took advantage of it, right? They, 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 she went to doctors and doctors couldn't heal her, the scripture says. In fact, it says she got worse rather than better. I don't know, you growing up, I grew up in a Hispanic family and my grandma, we still hang out with my grandmas. Vicks cured everything. Come on now, right? When you got a cold, they would take Vicks and rub it all in your chest and stick it all in your nose and do everything. I mean, I was like, you could slip off of me how much Vicks I had, right? It's just, everything was Vicks. Come on, I'm be chasing me in my grandma's house. Come here, I'm gonna put you, and I'm running around. No, I'm not putting it on. They put Vicks all over me when you got sick. Right? I don't know what, what remedy your parents gave you, but that's what was mine, right? Back in the day, they used to actually um, mix uh, cow poop and some grain and mix it together and people would eat it because they thought that would heal them. And they would partake, so they would do that, right? I choose Vicks. I choose Vicks. And <laughs> stuff. <laughs> and so... But it says here, all these remedies, all the things that she went to doctors, spending all her money, it didn't heal her. In fact, it got worse, the scripture says. Can you imagine going to many, many doctors? I have a friend who's really, really sick, lives in Hamul. Her, her, her husband's a, a missionary. She's really, really sick, parasites from all the things they've done. She's been to many, many doctors trying to figure out what's going on. Lost a lot of weight, a lot of the, she's starting to recover now, but she's gone through it. And all that, she's praising Jesus. And she's like, I, I don't know why God allowed this. And she's busy with doctors and physicians that can't figure out what it is. You know, my sister's been battling some health issues at home too, and they couldn't diagnose what it is. She's been in and out of the hospital. I think she's been in and out of a lot of hospital rooms and haven't figured out what's going on. And she spent all her resources to get well. She might've sold some things. Maybe she had some things she needed to sell. Maybe people here have been going to doctors. You can't figure out what's going on. 
Some people sell houses. They sell cars to figure out what's going on. They'll even go down to Mexico, try anything down there. Whatever it is, she was in that predicament. But Jesus cured her. We read that in 27 to 31. Look at this. And when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I, I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she fell in her body and she was healed of the afflictions. And when Jesus, immediately knowing himself, that power had gone out of him, turned around to the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? But his disciples said, you see the multitude thronging you, pressing in you, you say, who touched me? Like, you know, the disciples were like, whoa, what are you talking about? Everybody's around. It's like, it's like festival seating here at a concert. What are you talking about? Right? But we see here Jesus not just restoring her body, but restoring faith. We, we see that in 27, right? We know that Jesus had done many ministry in Capernaum, and he, and he had been sharing a lot of, a lot of things that have been happening. And now this woman's by the sea looking for Jesus, and she was seeking him out. You want healing today, you got to seek out Jesus. You got to seek out Jesus. And when she heard about Jesus, she came alive. Oh, I got to get to Jesus. I got to get to his garments. Guys, let me tell you, it wasn't the garment that healed her. Be careful of that. You remember in, in, the, in the Old Testament when the, the, the Israelites sinned and, and they were getting plagued and getting sick as people were dying, that God told them to make a, a graven image of a snake on a pole. And they said, if you raise it up and look at it, you'll be healed. And so they did, and, and the Israelites got healed. And they, from their sickness. But later on, what did they do? That's a symbol you see at hospitals, right? With a pole with a snake. That's where they got it from. But later on, they began to worship that, that idol. Later on in the news, they began to worship the snake on the pole, thinking that that brought the power. We have to be careful. That doesn't bring the power. Sometimes we'll worship objects rather than the creator. We'll worship the creation rather than the creator. Though she's reaching, she goes, if I could just touch Jesus, I could just grasp him. She's alive. Jesus heals her disease. Her faith was giving this, something was happening. Faith was happening in the moment that she went to. It's strengthening her because she's weak. She's, she's weak and she's got to get to the, man, think about it. The crowds are, she's pushing her way. She's touching people. She's pushing people away. She's fighting to get through that. I don't know, but that's got to be spending some energy on her to get to Jesus. I don't know if she's, her breath, she's tired, she's weak, but faith is supernatural. She's empowering her. And she fought through the crowd to get to Jesus. And she was focused and determined to keep her eyes fixed upon Jesus, the author and finisher of her faith. I just need to touch the garment. She, maybe she thought the garment was the source of power because the Bible says touch means to, to clutch, to grasp it. And when she did that, immediately the blood flow stopped. At that moment, it said immediately, it said the scriptures. Remember, immediately is the key word through the Mark, gospel of Mark. Just keep reading how many times it's used. Immediately she was healed instantly. And there was a specific, distinct healing. She felt it and strength returned to her, right? She recognized the power leaving him. Jesus did. He knew something happened, right? You see the divinity of Jesus here, the God Jesus, the God man here. He felt the touch of the woman. The disciples didn't see it. Man, there's a lot of people here. What are you talking about? Because Jesus said, who touched me? I felt power. Who and the disciples said, what are you talking about? There's a whole bunch of people here. Listen, Jesus can distinguish between people who are near him and those who are seeking him. I want you to hear that. Jesus is, can distinguish people who are near him and those who are seeking him. There are a lot of people near him for a lot of different reasons. But Jesus will meet you when you're seeking him. 
And then we see the woman's confession in 32 to 34. Look at this. And he looked around to see her who had done these things. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. She's giving testimony now. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. I love this. Jesus recognized her as a woman. You are somebody. He knows her personally. You see the intimacy of God taking place between this woman and Jesus. This relationship being established. I think following Jesus is that intimacy with him. That's what it means to follow Jesus, to be intimate with God. That's what God's drawing us to, intimacy with him. I know we have a lot of ceremonies and we have a lot of traditions and we have a lot of practices in the church. And sometimes those get in the way of our intimacy. Here was the healing of this woman that brought intimacy with Jesus. I think that's why God allows suffering. Because in the suffering, he draws us intimately with God, intimately with him. And she begins to testify, right? She looked around and seeing her, what had done. But the woman, fearing and trembling, she was scared at this moment. Knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down. There she is, she's kneeling. Again, there's the humility of this woman. Fell down and told him the whole truth. I could only imagine, she's telling him the story, what got her to this place. Jesus is listening to this woman who's fearful and shaking. And what does he use the word? Daughter. It's the only time in scripture he uses that word daughter. Miha, let me talk to you. Let me tell you something here. Your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. Now go in peace because she had not no peace and a healed of your affliction. See, why did God pick her and say, who touched me? I think when we're touched privately, Christ wants us to communicate publicly. When we're touched privately, a lot of us have been touched by God. And it's our duty to say, hey, I'm just tell you how God touched me. Right? We're bearing witness of the goodness of God. That's called worship. We're bearing witness of what he's done in our life. That's called witnessing. <laughs> right? That's testifying. That's proclamation. Some might even call it evangelism. We're just sharing how good God is. Hoping that others would taste God like we've tasted God and find that he's good. See, that's the pouring of the gospel. That's the kingdom of God. That's the presence of God. Going out into our communities, just testifying. I was this, but now I'm this. And I know a lot of you in the church, y'all shady. Okay, but God is good and God's grace is sufficient. <laughs> I know y'all over here. So my son crew. And Jesus in verse 34 receives her confession, right? Daughter, you know what? Moving the fear, taking away the fear, taking away all that there, giving her peace. You have been made well. By faith, we have been made well. By faith, we have been made well. And lastly, guys, Jairus' circumstance is not forgotten by Jesus. Because remember, his, his life has been interrupted. He's, Jesus is on his way to Jairus' house and he's interrupted by this woman. And you might feel like there's an interruption then you might think that God has forgotten you. But God did not forget Jairus' in his mission. And he hasn't forgotten us. We, we do not have a God that's absent-minded. We don't have a God that's absent-minded, right? And so he continues the story on with Jairus. And the first thing he does is he meets these uh, unbelief of men, these men who don't have faith. Look at verse 35. While he was speaking, some came from the rulers of the synagogue's house who said, your daughter's dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? Leave Jesus alone, man. Your daughter's dead. Don't bother him no more, right? Don't trouble the teacher. 
Maybe they're saying in their unbelief that Jesus doesn't have the power to change circumstances. You don't give up hope, right? Can you imagine the blow to Jairus' when he heard that news? Oh, Jesus, if you wouldn't stop, you know, if you didn't help this woman, you might have helped my daughter. Don't we think like that sometimes? That's about us. If, if you didn't come and engage this, we would probably have been in my house and everything would have been good. I think it would have knocked Jairus back a little bit of the news. It would have, it would have made him downcast, right? I don't know what was going through his mind, maybe some despair. What about me? What about my needs, God? Don't we, don't we, don't we pray like that sometimes, right? Maybe his heart was pierced, his face shattered because his last chance is gone, right? If he, Jesus, if he just would have stayed on the course, my daughter probably would be okay today. And maybe he was even getting angry with God. We ever had circumstances in our life where things happen, we get angry with God? Didn't work out the way I, it was supposed to work out, God, where were you? It's kind of like John chapter 11 with Lazarus and Mary and Martha, right? We know the story, Lazarus dies and he doesn't respond right away. He, he waits three or four days before he comes in. To, and then the two sisters are mad at Jesus. Jesus, if you would have just come when we called you, your, your, your Lazarus would, would be alive today. No, nah, no, nah, Lazarus is sleeping. He's chilling. We know in, in the 11th chapter of John, the reason why he waited, it tells us because I waited because I wanted to strengthen the disciples' faith. I waited because I wanted to see that I am the resurrection of the life. I wanted them to see that I have power over death and disease. I wanted to see who I am by what I do. See, my mom's resurrected. <laughs> I take hope in that because he has power over death and disease. He has power over death and disease here. We're going to see that in, in a moment. And so we have to be careful we don't second guess God's ways. I find it very interesting. The woman had been bleeding for 12 years and his daughter is 12 years old. There's a connection. And I think what's going on is the reason he stopped to deal with the woman because I think he needed to build Jairus' faith a little bit. He needed to say, if I could heal this woman, surely I could resurrect your daughter. I can heal your daughter. And sometimes we may be going through it, but we, we can take comfort in the fact, what is God doing over here? And maybe he wants to strengthen it through what we're watching and seeing. And I think that's what he's doing. He's building Jairus' faith here. He wants to strengthen his faith. And maybe Jairus didn't see that right away. Then Jesus is going to still believe. Here it is, 36 to 40. And as soon as Jesus heard the words that were spoken, he said to the rulers of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John. We know them as the inner circle, the brother James. Then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw the tumult of those who wept and wailed loudly. Remember the mourners that were there. When he came in, he said, why make the commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him, but when he had put them, but he put them all outside. Mm. So Jesus comes to Jairus' house. That's the story begin on their way to Jairus' house, right? Hey, you already heard the news. Your, your, your daughter's dead. I love this. He brings Peter, James, and John into a room. We know them as the inner circle. He did a lot of things. The Mount of Transfiguration was Peter, James, and John. He did a lot of things with Peter, James, and John. He had the 12, but he had the inner three. And you see that through the Gospels. He takes him to the room. We know that he, he moves people out. 
He says, look it, don't be afraid of what's going to go on right now. Don't, don't have unbelief, Jairus. It's, it's going to all be good, right? But the crowd needs to go. I love this about Jesus. He had to remove the crowd out of the house. And he brought Peter, James, and John, Jairus, his wife. They're all in there. Why, why did God have to remove the people in the house? Unbelief. Because Jesus, back in Mark chapter 6, when he came to his own family, they didn't believe who he was. He said, I couldn't do many miracles because there was unbelief. We cannot have unbelief in God's house. I got to believe that God's going to do all things are possible with God. All things are possible. Now, am I manipulating God to heal when I think he needs? I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is, do I really believe God can do what he says he can do? Do I really take God at his word? Or is this just a fable book that I'm reading to you where we're wasting our time because we, we ought to pity ourselves for tomorrow. We might eat and drink and marry for tomorrow we die. I believe this thing to be true. And I walk in that truth. And I think Jesus is saying, let's get every, all the mourners out. The mourners of there were paid, paid mourners. They would actually pay mourners at that time. We got to get this out of the house for me to do the work. And he removed the unbelief out of there and he brought the three amigos in, Peter, James, and John, right? He brought them in. We're going to do a great work. Just rest. And he removes all those out of the places. And look at this. Jesus had victory over death. And he took the father and the mother and the child and those who were with him and entered the child was lying. And he took the child by the hand and said to Talitha Kumi, which translates little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately the girl arose and walked for she was 12 years of age. And when they overcame with great amazement, but the commandments they strictly had that no one should know it and said that something should be given to her to eat. Mm. Jesus came alongside the family here. We see in verse 40. It says he took the family. He came, he came near alongside them. They were grieving and hurting and God comforted them. Corinthians says that we have a God of all comfort. I knew that this week. I have a God of all comfort. And we're all together. And they're all together before this lifeless body. This little girl who's dead. She's, she's on a bed. She's, she's lifeless. She has, she's no. I remember on Wednesday when my mom passed. I was in the room holding her hand when she passed. My wife says, I don't think it's going to be very long, she told me. I think you need to go to the room. And I was holding my mom's hand. I said, hey, mom, I'm here. It's Pete. I'm here. And she was breathing very slowly. And then she went, and then she was gone. And that was my moment. And I said, I think she's gone. My, I was there. My mother, sister-in-law was there. A couple people were in the room were there. But she went peacefully. They entered a room with a lifeless body. That's the room they entered into. But what did Jesus do? He took the lifeless body child daughter's, the hand of this little girl and touched it. And touched it. Reached out in America, in a, in a, a, a modic, or the common Latin Greek, he said, arise, arise. I think Jesus is always extending a hand to help us arise from our circumstances, from our even spiritually dead lives, to make us alive. And upon hearing the voice, I love that, she came alive. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word. It makes us alive. Paul writes, you were dead in your trespasses and sins, but he made you alive. God gives us life. And this family was overcome by amazement, overcome by great joy, the emotions of joy. Mm -hmm. I love that. There was great celebration. 
And he says he commanded them strictly no, that no one should know it. And he said something should be given her to eat. I love that. She made, she's made, she was resurrected and then she says, let's break some bread. I remember a story of a, a pastor that I heard a story of, about friends that were going to a, a memorial service for a friend who had died. And they really believed that if they prayed that their friend would resurrect. And so they came to the memorial service and they had come with Kentucky Fried Chicken, black uh, things of Kentucky Fried Chicken. And so one of the pastors saying, what are you doing? Why are you bringing chicken? Well, read the gospel. Every time they resurrected somebody from the dead, they always had a meal after. <laughs> she goes, we're gonna pray for this resurrection. We brought the food already. You know, he didn't resurrect, but they had a great meal. But what did they do? They, they, they looked at the scriptures and said, hey man, there was some food. This, we're gonna have a party. And they here that she resurrected and they broke bread together. And then Jesus said, hey man, don't tell anybody about what's going on. How can you not tell anybody? What's going on? There's, a, there's a girl that was dead not walking the streets. You know what I mean? How's that not gonna get out? Okay? But in God's timing, right? So I, I, I leave you um, guys with these three things or four things here tonight. Because this family now, this, this man is now a completed Jew. This one who was an enemy is now a friend. This, this, this Jairus, the uh, ruler of the synagogue, is now a completed Jew, is now following Jesus. And I don't know what sickness will do, but it'll turn hearts. I leave with this thought. Jesus will use difficult circumstances to draw us to him. Circumstances draw us to him. I think number two, Jesus will use difficult circumstances to strengthen our faith, to make our roots go a little deeper. I think Jesus will use difficult circumstances to heal us. Not only the people we're praying for, but even to heal us, us personally of things in our own hearts. And lastly, Jesus will use difficult circumstances to reveal, to reveal himself to us. That we'll really see who the biblical Jesus is when we go through our circumstances, the real Jesus of the Bible. Amen? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy and your grace, Lord. We thank you that you're a God that meets us in all circumstances. And Lord, you lead us. Lord, we praise you and we honor you for those very things. I pray for your people tonight. I don't know what circumstances they're going through. I don't know all their stories, but you do. You're mindful of them and you're drawing near to them. Lord, I pray your blessings upon them tonight. Thank you for the teaching and the reading of your word. The Bible says that there's a blessing in the teaching and the reading, and I pray the blessings will fall upon your people. In Jesus' name I pray. Thanks again for joining us. Contact us or learn more at our website, newvision.city. See you next time.